Hi, you guys. This is Liz Ryan, and this is the Truth About Work podcast, episode 43. Got a guest with us today on the podcast. That is our operations manager, Michael Wilcox. Hey, Michael. Good morning. Uh, so I wanted to get you on here because you deal so much with folks who need support, whether they're you know, in their job, in their job search, managers, consultants, whatever, HR folks. And uh, so you're pretty close to what people are writing to us about and contacting us about, what they're dealing with, what's on their mind, you know, at work. So I figured we could talk about that. I'd be happy to. Yeah, be fun. for sure. So the big one uh, to start off with is resumes. You actually, if I'm not mistaken, Michael, started writing resumes before I did. Uh, what was that story again? How I began writing resumes? Yeah, yeah. Um, I knew a guy from when I was going to the University of Illinois at Chicago, uh, worked for the newspaper, was the editor of the newspaper, actually, and so I started uh, writing columns and everything else for this newspaper, um, and I was the entertainment guy, actually, oh, cool, you know, cool. so it was kind of fun. I bet, so do you got free tickets to stuff? I did get free oh, tickets man. to stuff. Oh, man, how'd you get that gig? That's a good job. Um, just as I was willing to do it. I mean, there are a lot of people that wanted to go, but they didn't really want to write about it. Okay. So, uh, so I did that. Did you meet any celebrities by being the entertainment oh, editor at the I'm, newspaper? No, I did not. Well, I mean, I just went to some great, great concerts. I saw uh, Ornette Coleman, like, was right in front of him with his group, was tremendous. Saw Andre Segovia right there. Wow. It was fantastic. Flying Karamazov Brothers was a oh my great gosh. show. So that was, a, that was so much fun. Didn't but, you? Didn't they send you to some? Uh, I thought you said one time you, they sent you to some like beat poetry readings and stuff like that. Yes, yes, uh, they did. I oh my gosh, yes, I saw all those guys. I saw Allen Ginsberg and Corso and Burroughs, William Burroughs, uh, and uh, met Corso on the street later. It was just it was fabulous. So sounds uh, a good perk. It was a great perk, and that's what really got me into poetry and writing and everything else. And uh, had a great conversation at the bar with the Ted. Bergen, the great beat writer, and he gave me some advice. He's just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And who was I? I was just some, you know, guy going to University of Illinois, and he was just a wonderful guy, wonderful man. So it worked out. But that's how got, what got you into... But what got me into resumes was the guy uh, I was working for, the editor, uh, got a job writing resumes after he graduated. And um, I happened to run into him, and he just told me, he said, you should get a job... Uh, writing resumes. I know a guy and he needs people and you can have your own office. And I said, I don't really know anything about writing resumes. And he said, look, you can put a sentence together, come to my office and uh, uh, watch me for two hours and just look at the resumes. I said, okay. So I went down to his office and I said, I think I can't do this. Yeah. And uh, talked to the manager and I had the office and that was it. That was it. Now, that's a minute ago, of course. That's 30 years ago. Yes, it was. So resumes were different. So different. I mean, I'm going to be truthful. They're completely boilerplate. Well, I think the thing back then was I want to be on the map. I want to be a professional. See me as a professional. I think that's right. And yes. that's why people came to you. Yes, they Gussy did. Gussy up my background. They or... did that. And also, uh, one thing I learned is that a lot of people uh, did not like to write. Right. They were really talented in other ways, uh, really smart. But some of them, some folks just say, I just don't like to write. So they felt uncomfortable. Um what they felt was bragging about themselves or right. talking about themselves. So um, I said, okay, give me your stuff. I can do it for you. And so how did they react when they got the resume? Um, most of the time they were very, very happy. Uh, sometimes they would say, wait, 
almost like disbelief. Is Can this I claim me? this? Yeah. It's a, yeah, absolutely. Come on. It's, a, it's there in it's black and white. It's so helpful to have another person tell you, validate you, and they give you a piece of paper that says, yeah, this is, yes. this is your choice to step into this. You know, if you're comfortable, step into this. Is, am I lying on this page? Well, exactly There's no lies right. here. The thing that, the other thing that's really cool about it is that um, if you have a really good resume and if you're willing to step into it, it's a really great chance to reinvent yourself. On the page. Again, there it, right, there it is in black and white. Yeah. Um, and that's what was really great is when you could do that. Oh, it's, it's I, I love, same. I love writing resumes because you get to say to somebody, look at you have all the stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not equivocal. It's not puffery. This is, you've done it. You can stand behind it. It's just now you're giving yourself permission mm-hmm. to say, yeah, I've done this stuff. But people do say that a resume reflects back on them and actually makes them feel better and stronger and more marketable and more confident. Well, I, that's, I think that's all true. The other thing, too, is that I think it's not a bad idea sometimes just to write a resume. You write your own resume. Be as honest as you can. And then look at it and try to be detached from mm-hmm. it a little bit and say, wow, I guess I did this too. Yep. Wow, I actually did this and I yep. did this. Yep. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think that we're bombarded with messages. You're nothing. You're not all that. Like, who are you? And so it takes sometimes just any other person who's not you to say, no, don't talk yourself down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't minimize what you have. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't. Who are you being humble for? Well, it's difficult sometimes for people to step outside themselves and see themselves like that. Yeah. And it's much, you know, easier sometimes for an outside party to say, okay, let me see your old resume. Let me give me some other do you have any other information, do you have any certificates or anything like that. Stories. Story exactly, all that. And then let me see what I can do and put it together for you. And uh, uh, again, it's just like a nice way to reinvent yourself or just to uh, um, I don't know, get reacquainted with yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take stock, get altitude. Take, take stock, exactly, exactly. Okay, changing the topic, mm-hmm. may I? Of course. Office football pools. The whole time I was coming up in the working world, there was an office football pool. I never went in it. I have no idea who's going to win the football game, mm-hmm. obviously. But every week, somebody would be like self-designated, like office bookie. They would take bets, $10. I think it went up to $20. It's not legal. This right. is in Illinois. It wasn't legal. But... It was like, eh, nobody really said anything about it. Um, uh, and then, and did you have that similar thing where you were? I've quite acquainted with these things. Yeah. Uh, have you done it? Have you put money in it? Yes. Did I, you ever win? Yes. Is it based on skill or, or is it based on luck? It's not based on uh, luck. Um, okay. So when you have like a, a, during the Super Bowl, a lot of people have office pools, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the way I remember it being done is uh, somebody takes a square. That's what it is. And they you pick a square. And they pick and they write, and there's numbers in the square like seven, two, four, or other numbers, you know. And everybody puts money in a particular square. And say at the end of the first quarter, the team that you have has seven. Well, then you want a certain amount of money. Okay. This kind of thing. But the other ones, so those are kind of harmless, you know. It's just, yeah. uh, and there's uh, somebody goes around and collects money for people. Yeah. and. You know, usually managers just look at it the other way, as they should. It's nobody's getting hurt. The other thing that uh, when I first learned about uh, uh, gambling and what was legal and not legal and all that, yeah. particular job I had, we had what they call uh, parley cards. And these were little cards that would come out every week. They would have a list of football games, pro and college. And the pros, it would have like, you know, 
Washington versus Dallas, and who got points? Maybe Washington plus seven. So you had to bet Washington to win, and they had to win by seven points. It just can't win, it has to bet seven points. Okay. okay maybe but that pays more. Well, you have to get, minimum is three. You have to pick three teams. Washington at Dallas, Chicago Bears at Detroit, uh, you know, whatever, uh, San Francisco at, uh, at New York, okay? You okay. have to win those three games. Okay. Okay, and you bet whatever. Maybe you put down 20 bucks, you win those three games. This is Maybe, all cash back this then. This is all cash. Maybe you win 35. Okay. Let's say that you feel that you're really good. Maybe you bet four games. Now you win more money. However, you have to win all these games. Yeah, you right. lose one, you're out. Either, your money is gone. Your money is gone. And okay. then... Uh, so I would just bet but the, the pros. But does the bookie get to keep any of it? Like, what's what's their benefit, or is it just to be? Uh, this is classified information. <laughs> I this, I know nothing of this. I don't know what we're talking about. Okay. This is and I, these stories. I just heard this stuff. You heard it. I just heard. Now this listen. Stuff. Here's my here's my experience. I knew. I vaguely knew there was an office football pool at U.S. Robotics. I was running HR, and I vaguely. I did. I never looked into it. It's like whatever. It was a different time, and you know. It was very collegial atmosphere and, you know, warm and trust-based and all that kind of stuff. As much as, as, you know, I could make it like that and the other managers. And so one day, an employee, two employees burst into my office, and I knew one of them really well. And I vaguely had met the other guy, two, two young men. And the one, the guy that I knew really well, call him Joe, he said, help, help us figure out this football pool dispute because hmm. this guy said he wanted the square but he didn't give me the money friday his team won but too bad i didn't have the money it's not real you can't just say oh you got to pay me anyway i'd never taken credit from him or anybody else before and no that's not how it works and the guy's like yeah liz you know take my side like i want i need the money it's like 60 bucks or whatever and i said you guys come on i love you but there's no such thing we I, we don't talk about the office football pool it doesn't exist I don't know about it. It's not legal. And I, I'll talk to you about the weather. I'll talk to you about whatever. Mm. But theoretically, if there were such a thing, you would have to put the money down. It wouldn't be a good thing. Although this is all in some fantasy world because here, you know, we don't recognize. And it would even be bad to talk about it, you know. So I would, he didn't get the money. Well, I would say theoretically, as we know, this is not happening. Right. But were it to happen, my friend, I would say, <laughs> do you have the cash? Yeah. You, no, there is no cash? Yes. Yeah. Then there is. You're yeah. Out of I mean, you, you don't want to support illegal you no, know, activity, not. but it's a, there's a, you know, anyway, that's a thousand years ago. I thought, well, that is, uh, yeah, I think it's, that's just a little fun thing. It's nothing people should be, I don't think, get in trouble for or anything. Yeah. It's not like when during the holiday season, uh, sometimes people would come around wanting to sell candy oh, for their oh, kids. Oh, 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 you're bringing back nightmares. And this yeah. would be... I, I, I got involved. Thank you for bringing that up. I forgot about that. It was a huge thing for a while. Everybody, And you're sympathetic, right? It's kids and it's fundraisers so and it's everything, but it became oppressive. And I finally said, you guys, you can put up a little note in your queue, passive advertising. You can put a note in the break room. But you cannot accost people. No, They're the sitting at their desk. That's the way to go. They can't. You know, um, I can recall being in an office and somebody started coming around and like, you know, they're, they're wanting to sell candy for their sons, whatever, uh, Scout Troop, whatever it was. Yeah, okay, yeah. sure, you yeah. buy some chocolate turtles, whatever. Yeah, And yeah. then 
um, later in the afternoon, somebody else is coming by. You say, oh, 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 oh yeah. Okay. And then now the next you're, day, it's like, you're a, a good second. customer. What do I do if I don't buy from this next person? Say, yeah, oh, really? oh, you got a problem? Exactly. No, no, I'm not. So that was always very awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I also felt like the quality of the goods kind of suffered over time. I think you're correct there. <laughs> Some of the I stuff. I said, wait a second. I thought I could get the stickers at the store. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, next topic. Uh, we got a great query about how to drop out of a hiring pipeline earlier this week. Um, I'm, they've interviewed me twice. I'm pretty sure they're going to call me back. They're more excited than I am. Hmm. And they're not selling me at all. It's like, lucky you, you're moving on to the next step. This is a common problem, hmm. right? Hmm. Why would I sell you? Aren't you lucky? No, why am I lucky? I don't, I don't get the value prop. Why would I hmm. come and work there? I'm really not hearing, I'm just really not hearing exciting things. And me as a person and my needs is just not hot, not important to you guys at all. It, it, it's not personal. You're not being jerks to me. You just don't really understand that you're selling me on your opportunity because I have other places to interview besides you. And the, it's hard for, you know, that mindset to shift. Recruiting is selling, but unless you're paid to place people like agency recruiters, you typically, and or internal recruiters too who have to make placements, it just has been viewed as more of a winnowing out process. Uh-huh. Lucky you. Uh-huh. You might even get to work here. But so you're, you're getting that feeling and you want to drop out. What do you say or how do you do that? So you've talked to somebody twice? Yeah, you've been interviewed twice and you're almost positive that they're about to invite you. Or maybe they just already have. Maybe they already have invited you. You're coming back for a third interview. Well, Yay! But you're just like, no, I'm not feeling it. By the third interview... I've got to be either offered the position or real close to offered the position, I would think. Well, they're probably thinking they will be offered the position. It's one more interview, but they don't want the job anymore. They just want to be done. And they don't want to ghost the company and just not respond. they got to say something. What are you going to say? Well, I get my that it's just not a right fit. Yeah. Um, it, just yeah. Does, it just doesn't feel... It doesn't feel... I have other stuff I'm looking at. Right. Email? No. I probably, think so. Yeah, Dear Jane... Thank yes. you so much for the two great conversations. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you're probably going to learn something most of the time you talk to somebody. Yeah, right. right? So right. just chalk it up to that and say, okay. No harm, no, no foul. No harm, but thank you. No harm, no foul. And, uh, you know, and, and on to the next thing. I'm, I'm looking at a number of other things, so I'm not going to go forward with, you know, right. wiggly devices. But it's been wonderful to meet you. Yes. And I wish you all the best in I 2021. Think be, I think it would be yeah. perfect, yes. Protocol, you know, does come in handy. Scripts, they really come in handy Mm -hmm. when you want to be polite, when you want to, you know, there's no reason to say your recruiting process is terrible, you treated me like garbage. What's the benefit? I wouldn't mind seeing a return to protocol in in many aspects of life, and certainly including this one right here. Yeah, what what harm does it do to drop somebody a a friendly note and say, oh, thanks, it was nice chatting with you and everything, and uh, I have some other things to, you know, look at, and uh, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the opportunity we have now, we never had before, really, at least it wasn't easy, is when, when somebody drops out of a hiring pipeline, you can ask them why. You can find out. You could right. even send them a, an anonymous questionnaire a month later, because I'm sure they're not the only person dropping out of the pipeline. That's it, even people who ghost you. You invite them to an interview, they ghost you. You send them a little thank you and an and a, and a, you know, email. We're, we're getting good at like big data and, and digital marketing now, and you put them on a list and say, you know, you know, we talked to you and it didn't really go anywhere and we're just always curious why and it's 
anonymized. Right. Anonymized. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it's that we haven't come around to the mindset. These are customers lost. Just like, you know, in, in ATS, you know, applicant tracking systems mm -hmm. where you put in all your data and apply for a job. We don't really look at the abandonment rate. We should. E-commerce marketers, you know, lose sleep over the abandoned, sh abandoned shopping carts. Because we've all done it. Of course. Abandon your shopping cart. This is boring. This is stupid. Right. This site is too hard to navigate. Yes. I can't yes. find what I want. See you later. I just walked away from $150 worth of stuff. Uh -huh. They're like, ah! Uh -huh. We got to get that abandonment rate down. We got to improve the usability and the customer experience. But... You know, in recruiting, but we don't talk about well, it. That thing, but that's exactly what it's about, right? It's like trying to take the other person's view. Make it exactly trying to take their view. Make it easy. Make it um, make it uh, gratifying. Right. We're so glad that you came and you're going through this. I mean, the truth is, not to get on my soapbox, but when it comes to applicant tracking systems, you have to start by saying, you know, Salesforce is like the big platform where we do sales automation, the customer name, their their history of what they bought, everything is in there. They're about to buy Slack, as a matter of fact, the office messaging uh -huh. app. Um, they're huge. They were like the first big one in the whole software as a service where you just log in and everything's yeah, in yeah. the Yeah, I used it for a very short time, yes. Yeah, and um, so we never ask our customers to populate their own records in Salesforce. Well, if you want to work with us, you have to go in there and put your name and your address, and they're like, what? I, I, I want to buy from you. I want to give you money. <laughs> so we don't do that, but we think nothing of having candidates, job applicants, populate their own stuff. Like our first encounter is like, no, 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 no. We don't even know you. You go on this form, and you fill out all this stuff, mm -hmm. your name and your address. We're going to have you upload a resume. I know you just typed in all the same information that's on the resume, but I'm sorry, there's a lot of you, and there's only a few of us, so you can sit there and do all of that work for the privilege of applying for a job in our company. Horrible sales approach. Yeah. It's the opposite of selling. Mm -hmm. It should be easy. Now, which one are we now? Just like it's winnowing out. It it's weeding out from a position of, and this is not hating on my HR brothers and sisters because I, I am one of you, but it's, it's, a, it's a mindset that like you're going to have to jump through some hoops even to get on the radar screen with us, even to be known by us. And that is obviously not how you recruit amazing people. They don't have time. Well, it's one reason why a lot of people just don't even stay in the corporate world. They, they go off on their own. Well, haven't we all been there like... <laughs> fill out some sort of form, whether it's a job form or some sort of applicant form or whatever, and you're thinking you really want to do this, and now you're like on the third or fourth page of this, yes. and you're like, wait, how many more of these? Exactly. Wait, what am I doing this for? Exactly. Okay, and then you say, you know what, maybe I'll just find something else. <laughs> That's it. That technology is so old. Those databases, you can hear them creak when they change pages. Why? Right. It's just, it's a mindset, though. Why would I sell? Why would I make it easy? Well, it's like going to... Uh, any state's uh, Secretary of State page. Oh. You, know, you want to navigate that because, you know, oh my gosh, I lost my license. Okay, and what, what do I go to and mm. put this form in and this form Blood and like, you know, and, yeah, and wait for the page, page to turn. So, oh, you have to take a super chill yeah. pill before you even begin right. the process like that. Yeah, so it's time for that to change. It that's, is time for that to that's change. A, that's a, something we'll talk about 2021. All right, I got one question for you. And then we will uh, see.
can't read my own writing. Mm. Talked about how to drop out of a pipeline. Oh, here's my question. What do you think has changed the most fundamentally or, you know, with the most impact about job hunting from the olden days where you just used to apply for a job, you'd go on interviews, you'd get a job, you know. And now, what oh my goodness. people say it's obviously much harder, more frustrating now. What's behind that? Oh my, well, wow. It is such a different world. Um, the first couple jobs that I ever had working in warehouses and factories, I walked into the place. Yeah, physically. Physically, I walked into the building. And you could just walk in, you no one stopped you. I was handed an application, and I filled out the application paper and pen right there, handed it back to somebody, and uh, there were cases they said, somebody be, I'll be with you in one moment, and uh, uh, I was hired. Um, on the spot. Pretty much on the spot, maybe uh, uh, come back for one more interview, but it's like, you know, it's, oh, they're gonna hire me, type wow. of thing, you know, and then they would say, okay, this is a paper, go to this doctor, get a checkup, whatever. It was completely different. Um, uh, boy, but you know, but that's the blue collar factory warehouse world. Maybe that's well. How did you? Panel. Was it the res? How did you get into the white collar world? Was it resume writing? Uh, yeah, that was my first step into it. Um, I was uh, loading trucks while I was going to uh, Columbia College in Chicago, and then I um, um, so I was writing a for lot. what? What was the degree again? Uh, at that time, I was just like taking a lot of classes. It would have been a degree in writing, I guess. But so, I, but I went there for two years and was, you know was involved in their fiction program and just wrote a lot and everything. And then after that was the and then I transferred to the University of Illinois Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, and then I started writing for a student newspaper there. Okay. And then the guy I was working with got you into the told resume. Told me the you know, saw him on the street. He says, "Hey, I got this job writing resumes. Right, you know, we right, need right. people." And, and that's so. Yeah. So that office I had was my first step into a non-blue collar world yeah um, and so what what was the aha if anything move going into that world then you had office jobs after that what what was the big sh difference between the white collar culture and the blue collar culture um oh boy uh that in uh white collar culture i often took a shower before i went to work blue collar culture you can take a shower when you get home from work okay yeah um the, oh boy! I mean, that's that's such a great question. Um, I think it, I don't know. Management style is a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems uh, in, in the blue collar world, um, maybe you kind of have to be nicer to people. Who has to be nicer? The managers, the managers and, do. Why? Uh, you could get punched well, in the nose. Or, or maybe, or you know, you're working. It's like physical labor and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And guys are like, uh, you know, uh, stacking things up, or they're driving forklifts or so anything. So what? Why does that matter? Um. I don't know, maybe uh, tempers might be shorter. Uh, people may not be that happy that they're working in a factory. So, so you're saying managers have to be more reasonable, more respectful to people I in your I would experience. think so. I would think so. That's like... Your the, experience. My experience is, yeah, they kind of were. Yeah. Um, uh, that's not to say you still had to, like, you know, obey certain rules. If you, if you work yeah, in a yeah, factory, yeah. you used to, you know, have to obey safety protocol and all that. Uh, but... Um, uh, it just seems that 
it seemed to be a little bit more underhanded. Where? In the white collar world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and yeah. Th you know, that's kind of the experience that yeah. I had. Yeah. But, I, but the work itself um, sometimes would be easier in the white collar oh, world. It could God, be stressful, yes. but it's different than like, you different know. Different stress. You know, yeah, I, I, I didn't work like in a factory or anything, but I worked, um, I was a wait, I, I waited tables and I, I uh, you know, um, trying to think I worked at a bagel store I worked like retail slash restaurant kind of jobs before I ever did an office job and I do think it was more just up front the conversation wow. communication was a lot more direct mm -hmm. maybe not always super genteel That's you know, right. but correct but 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 in offices I'm, I'm with you my first office jobs I was really struck by how like a stage set it was just temping in college and how fake it was and how the fakeness was like uh -huh. built into it. Well, People would talk about each other's back. I mean, not that they don't talk about each other's backs in restaurants. Right. But there was something in the office where it was like, oh yeah, we're all we're all performing from a script. We're all right. wearing a costume. It's all kind of political, isn't it? It feels like there's that's more of a feature. Uh -huh. I could be dead wrong, but it feels like that's more of a feature in in white collar work that sort of baked in fakeness, artificiality. I I, th I think there is, but you know, one of the big differences too. Is that you know if you're in the white collar world or working in the office, whatever, uh, you know part of the, I guess uh, one of the good things about working in an atmosphere is like that is that right after work you can go out and maybe you have friends at work or if you don't maybe yeah. other friends you're meeting them at different yeah, yeah, places yeah. you can just go right from work there's no need to go you can if you want but you know yeah. you dress nice as oh whereas whereas where in the blue collar world yeah yeah uh, if you're you know if you're um, uh, working in a factory or doing some other kind of like manual labor when you get off work if you're immediately going to go someplace it's going to be some sort of like uh you know more earthy shall we say bar some rib joint or something yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, uh you know you would go home first and clean I mean, that's great yeah, too, yeah, yeah. but it's just very very different yeah. as far as that concerned. that's funny you say that because when i was waiting tables in new york during school what i loved about it was i would finish like an eight hour shift pretty grueling on my feet the entire time and but I, I was jazzed up. I was energized. And I had money in my pocket, cash back then. It was right. like, I'm going out. I'm right. not going to go home. Right. How could I go home now? Even if it's 2 in the morning, mm, sure. i got to go somewhere. Interesting how your job, and whereas people say in office jobs, they get really tired. They get really exhausted. And I remember in my office jobs at like 2 in the afternoon, I'd be like, oh, I can hardly keep my eyes open. Oh, I've been there. We've all been there. Well, you know, there's a lot of psychological drama going on right, in offices, right, right, and that right, can right. wear on you. That wears uh, and if, on you. And even if that stuff is going on, and you're loading trucks, or you're working in a warehouse, or you know, uh, you know, you're swinging a pickaxe, or whatever right. it is. You know, you're able to work some of this stuff off. You're moving, right? You know, you're lifting something. Right. You're you're breaking a sweat, and uh, but if you're in the office, you know, you can't and do you that. have a hard time. You're still sitting there in your desk. Yep, you know, you're yep, taking yep. deep breaths and trying to center yourself. But there's only so much you can do. There's only so much you, you can know, do. You know, if you're in an office, if you think about it, all these last 30, 40, 50 years, longer, people have been going to offices, spending eight hours, nine, ten hours there, with no opportunity to just, like, stretch or do some jumping jacks. There should just be an area, if we go back to offices after COVID-19, you really? could just... Just no. stretch for ten minutes, for goodness sake. It's not even healthy. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. It's Sit, it's stand, and a little bit of walking. It's brutal when you think about it's it. It's not healthy. It's no. yeah, it is brutal. And we, and, and, you know, we've all been there working some kind of office job where you're sitting at a desk, and uh, 
after your shift, you're going home, you're thinking, man, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I feel exactly. too young and healthy to be feeling right? this tired. So it's, no, how can it be good for the body? To, how to sit, could it be good? You know, and yep. then emotions as a, you know, your supervisor doesn't like what you did. And you think, that wasn't not me. Yep. You know, and there, or maybe have a tension with a coworker. It's it's very difficult just to stay sit, seated and let it all wash over you. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, we got one question to close up. This is from Clara. Hi, are you guys going to have gift packages for the holidays? We're going to have gift we packages. We are going to have gift packages. We're going to have we gift are. packages. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, got to have gift most packages. Def- most definitely. Yeah, for, for people in career reinvention or yeah. whatever. And, and there's some real nice stuff in there, too. Yeah. There's some great information. Yeah. We will, Clara. We're going to have gift packages. Watch uh, anything, our Twitter or LinkedIn or our site or get on our newsletter mm-hmm. list. Yes, yeah. but thank you for that question. Thank you for the question. Thanks for the interest. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, 2021 is going to be a year of transition for a lot of people. A lot of people are going to say, good, I can I can change jobs now or I can step into whatever thought leadership or consulting or something I've been wanting to do. I have to. I feel like I have to after this year we've been through. I, yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, it's kind of corny to say, but I'll be honest, every time around this year and a new year starts to roll around i do feel a bit jazzed up yeah i i do yeah you know it's like okay new year new well, start. we deserve to we deserve to absolutely we deserve to yeah. feel jazzed up yeah so here's to you guys thanks for listening and keep growing your flame thank you